Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hear Me See Me podcast is sponsored by Zenoti, the number one cloud software for salons and spas. Because when people feel good, they find their greatness. I am Stuart Roberts, and I'm really excited to introduce my new podcast, Hear Me See Me. It's just over five years ago, I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people. Some of the people that work in some of these places, many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. I'd had this idea after being inspired by a guy in America I'd seen cutting hair on the streets and seeing the difference it made to the guys who were there. This is more than a job. This is a calling. Hello, this is Stuart from Hear Me See Me Podcast, and I've got another wonderfully interesting person to speak to today. Today I'm speaking to Debbie Clark. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you, Stuart. Thank you for having me on your amazing podcast. (laughs) You're very welcome. Uh, We don't know each other. We've never met. (laughs) It's a surreal part thing (laughs) of of modern age, isn't it, where you just connect with people on on Instagram and that. Um, I'll briefly say how we did connect. Um, because on a previous uh, guest was Meg Matthews, and she gave me this lovely profile. This, I haven't placed this. It's happened to be next to me. This lovely profile picture of the lovely Meg Matthews. Oh, lovely and then Meg. I've got <laughs> I got a message from Debbie saying, oh, I took that picture, and then I've been watching her work ever since. Um, and I love what you do. I love the style of it. Thank so you. So tell me, tell, I want to know about you now. So... Take me right back. Ooh. The little Debbie, the little Debbie running around. Uh, little Debbie. Uh, little Debbie was, was very naughty. She was very naughty. Little was she? Yeah, she was a bit of a naughty girl, running around, running around. Um, I, I went to school in West London. I lived in West London. Well, kind of out in Middlesex. We say West London, but it's in the suburbs. So, um, so I went to school. I lived out there, and then I left home quite young and came to London. Um, and was a bit of a, you know, the 80s party, 90s party, obviously late 80s. I'm not going to give my age away here. <laughs> but, yeah, I was a bit of a party girl. Um, went out quite a lot, lots of friends. Left school. I didn't go on to uni. I didn't do anything. I just literally partied quite a lot. I did a lot of, um, you know, events and things like that. And I was doing photography with all my friends. So I was doing lots and lots of stuff. And then with my best friend at the time, we lived in Titchfield Street together in um, Fitzrovia. And she said, why don't you, why don't you go for St. Martin's? Because you're really good. And I said, how am I going to do that? I haven't got any exams. <laughs> so, so basically, I got my book together. I was just photographing um, like lots of people, like in my day in Soho, because I, I was kind of a Soho girl, always hanging out in Soho. And... I did this board, which was, remember the old peep shows? Oh, yeah. Yeah, do you remember that? I don't know if you can see this one. This is I've, my I've got a story home. about one of them in a minute. I'll yeah, have you got one of those? Yeah, I've got and a story about my that. Lovely, this lovely little boy, he was oh. literally 16, and we used to look after him, we used to sleep down on Charlotte Street. 
Um, yeah. We looked after them, and I did these pictures of um, people, and then I did a set of nudes lit by candlelight of all my friends. Um, um, it was quite cool. Anyway, I got accepted into St. Martin's, which was amazing. And I went then with fashion and textiles, first of all, with photography. And I did my foundation. And then I went on to London College of Printing, which I think is now called London Digital Communications or something. But anyway, I was mad about printing and I worked on film. I used to love the shapes and shadows. Black and white is my passion, I think. And I think you really get that texture and you I think for for me going digital was really hard because I spent so long you know my my days at St Martin's and then London College Printing then I left there and then I went on to assist Terry Neal, Ian McKell you know some really really cool people in fashion um sort of cut my teeth there really and then I just went on and started doing my own stuff but I loved working in film and then when it all went digital it really put me back because I I'm really not very technical. I'm more of a creative photographer anyway. Technical is, you know, always I have to click in, click in, click in. But <laughs> so um, when I went to digital, I kind of probably um, stepped back a couple of years because mind you, I had a baby then as well. So that's quite lucky. <laughs> so I could sit at home and sort of focus on learning the digital aspect of things. Um, and then I had another baby four years later. So I kind of stayed in London um, and obviously cleaned up my act, didn't party. I don't drink now, so I'm really proud of that. So, um, yeah, yes, two years now, not drinking, so I'm really happy about that. And so I really think, to me, since I've, you know, had children, I think I focus so much more and become so much more professional because I think I, I was a party animal and I was, I was really, you know, not a care in the world. And I, you know, I was just a, not a different person. But I think that's what shapes you sometimes because I was really wild. So I think, you know, you see so much, travel quite a lot around the world and saw so many, you know, saw so much. Amazing. I got, um, I got this Olympus camera, right? And I'm going to show you this because it's Olympus pen. And the reason I love it and Olympus um, gave me it to use and they sponsor me for my foundation. So, you know, I run an art foundation. I run an art foundation supporting young people in vulnerable situations or pe young people with might be at risk of gangs and grooming. Um, and Olympus sent me 14 EPLAs and they sent me this pen F and I love it. And I'm bringing it in to show you because you can set your settings like this C1, C2, C3. Now I'm becoming a geek. <laughs> and it can literally manipulate like images like film does. And I know people say, you. I mean, you can't get film as in film, but this is the closest I've ever got, you know, on a digital camera to shooting on as, as, it, would, as it would look like on film. Yeah. And I absolutely love that baby. I love it. It's my baby. It just sits there and looks at me all day. Stroking it. I can see you, like, stroking it. I'm stroking him. Like, he's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kissing him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that that was um, yeah. So I, yeah, it's obviously best to focus and um, try and get in early because obviously I'm getting older now, and I didn't really start getting any professional work till I was thirty seven, thirty eight, because I messed around too much, you know. And I think obviously I'd have been a lot further up in my life if I'd have focused, gone to art college earlier, and really pu pulled my socks up a bit, you know. I probably would have got a lot further quicker. <laughs> but anyway, here I am today. <laughs> At the age of probably retiring, I'm just starting. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
That's drummed up a few questions in my mind. I don't mind, Yeah, Don't stop talking. No, no. I, I, I absorbed all of that. And um, I did promise you a story. So I'll start with the story, the peep show story. Oh, yes, yes. When, uh, when I was in, uh, when I was a young lad, you know, we, we was up in Soho having a little look round and the adventure of Soho. Uh, and my mate went in, he's going, I'm going in one of these peep shows. Was it that one I showed you, do you think? It could well have been that. that <laughs> On Berwick Street. I had more hair, but I could have been that bloke. But yeah. we, we, we went in this peep show, and um, I, was, I was a bit reluctant. I'll, I'll give it all to Bigham, but I'm a, bit, I'm a bit worried about that sort of thing. I was a bit shy, you know what I mean? I give it all to Bigham, but I'm all mouth. Anyway, I went down in this thing, and he went in there, and I was in here. We went in with the curtains. And then you pull, put your money in, and then the thing come up. Now, I was expecting to see... <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting to, to come up, and then a film start. I thought we was going to be watching a film. The and real there, was, there was this girl sta- sitting there with nothing on, and then she's saying... And obviously, like, I, I realised then, the thing is, the longer you stay on, the more money you put in. So <laughs> she's going, like, you know, what do you want me to do? And I went, nothing, and I ran off. <laughs> I know. It's, it is. And she How looked down the corner to my mate, she went, your oh, mate's just run away. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I will tell you then, Stuart. <laughs> uh, I was, I think I was about, I was pretty old for that. I reckon I was about 21 or something, or 23. Oh, I don't know. It's a bit I, mad, though, isn't it? It's yeah. Really. I was like, I was just, you know the old, what the butler saw? I think yeah. I was. Thinking I was going to see. This is a live person in front of me. <laughs> right, that's that's that. So that's my embarrassing, like. Uh, I love it. That's a good story. That's a very good story. <laughs> Tells you a lot about me, that one. Another thing you said was um, I love the fact that you, look, what you was, the way you were talking about uh, film and developing film. And I, I did. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a great photographer, though. But over the years in hairdressing, we used to do our own photo shoots and then we, you know, the budget led us to try and do more of our own stuff. And I had a friend who was really good at it and I sort of went in the dark room with her and she showed me how the mechanics of it. And I, I, I get what you mean because there's something about the magic when you used yeah. to see that image appear on that, that plate. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, and you, I, you, I, put I it, think, you put it in there and it sort of starts to appear and it is, it is like, it's like being in fairyland or wonderland. And you're like, oh, my God. Because when you look at the negative, obviously it's the negative, you, you, can't, you kind of know. But when you see it appearing, you're like, oh, my God. And then you get your little wand and you're dodging and you're burning and you're like, yeah. yeah. So it's almost like you're, you know, you're playing with your light, manipulating your light. But you can, another thing is I can stand up because I'm really fidgety. So when I'm printing, I'm like standing up. So you can imagine that for me is amazing because then I'm really in my creative world like when I get behind the camera I think I literally transport I'm not really in this other I'm not literally in the real world here I'm in my world because everything else is like just irrelevant all I can see is what I'm looking through the lens and I kind of totally don't even know what's going on around me and I think that's the same as when I go in a dark room it's the same feeling that you're in this little room you know and there's 
I think I used to stay in there for 16 hours sometimes. I come out like, what time is it? You know, like dark, dark eyes. And mm. it just, time evaporates. But like editing and digital, you know, you're sitting there. It's so boring sometimes. I'm just like, oh, my God. It's, you can't, it's just not the same. It's just not the same. Unless you're really good. I suppose I'm not very good at Photoshop and all that, so I don't have the patience. But I can imagine if you're good at it, it's, it's, um, it's a magical thing too. But yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I remember that, and I remember how long it would take, you know, for one shot, and how yeah. long, and then you could underexpose it and overexpose it, and yeah, play around, and yeah. you know, it was. But um, I think there was there was a, definitely a, a bigger sense of achievement when you yeah. got that final yeah. finished article. I think. Yeah, well, I think you have to work so much harder, isn't it? Because and it's a. Yeah. It's almost like a ritual as well, you know, you've got your negative and you place it in and you're lining it all up and then you're measuring the length, the focal point, and then, you know, you've got all your chemicals, you feel like you're a you know, doctor in your little lab, <laughs> and you've got the red light on and it's, oh, it's amazing. I'm actually thinking, I've got a tree house in my garden, like this old tree house that we built with wood from Hampstead Heath, although I live central, like Russell Square. So we transported all these tree barks, like cut, not, we didn't cut them down because <laughs> I would never do that. But it was just we just collected loads of trees um, that had been fallen down, and we built this little tree house. And I now want to because my kids are growing up. Well, Luke's Luke's fourteen and Lily's eighteen, so they're both not really much use for a tree house. So I might make it into a dark room. Yeah, would cool. that be amazing? Cool. Then yeah. you can hide away from the real life. Out of there. <laughs> yeah, and I can run away from all of you. Away, <laughs> your heart's content. <laughs> There was a where's Debbie? She's not been on Instagram for like four weeks. She's in the dark room. <laughs> yeah, she's rocking. She's, she's rocking that room. <laughs> you, and as well, I could tell um, that you've got a like sweet and sour, love and hate relationship with your past. That's where it come across to yeah. me. That you've yeah. got this like. You said it, it four or five times about, I was a real party girl, I was a real party girl. Um, and I, I just wanted to say that, um, having been that way myself, the, the fact that you, you know, and you said it's almost like a tinge of regret when you were saying about, I started late and maybe I could have been further. Yeah, yeah. But you, you, changed, you changed your life. And you've oh, gone yeah. on a different path. Yeah. You see what I mean? So, yeah. you know, I, I, yeah. I, it's never, ever too late, you know. And um, No, yeah. No, I think I was thinking it's not too late, as in too late. But I just, you know, I think if people are listening, especially younger kids, and, you know, they think, oh, I can always do it later. You can always do it later. But it's such a shame because when you're young, your mind's so malleable and it's like a sponge and you've got so you know you can take so much in um and everything's new and fresh and I think it's um I mean I think that's why I love working with kids as well so much is because when I'm teaching them photography and then they show me something I'm like how do you get that that's amazing because they see things in in such a, a different way to when you're that bit older. I'm not going to say old, but older. Because they are, you know, they literally, I'm sure they've got a different vision. And I'm sure you have when you're young because it's like you don't have a care in the world and nothing, you know, everything is possible. And I think now everything is still possible, even though I'm older because I just, I am like a big kid. Well, I think it is so good to 
suck that information in when you're younger because you can then you just you can go far so quick you know and you're on that you're on you're you're on that sort of especially if you really want to be a photographer and you really do want to do it you it's it's harder you know especially now there's so much talent kids coming out of photography um colleges and art colleges they're so talented and there's so many more than when I came out and I came out when I was older I think it's a real real tough one but there's you know I'm amazed you look on you know I'll talk about you you look on Instagram and think oh my god he's brilliant that's amazing this is good I just in fact I was just shooting with a little uh young girl called Maya Strauger it's Darren Strauger's um daughter and she's studying at fine arts in Hampstead and um her lovely daddy bought her an Olympus camera. Anyway, she's, she, I went around her the other day and she's doing so much on this camera. And I said to her, you are genius. And yeah. some of the images she's producing are like off the scale. I mean, really cool. And she's, she's found this little, she's obviously really gone through the camera and there's this little um, program on it that you can go, she's got a fisheye lens and the stuff she's producing is, is really amazing. She's like 15, 16. So she was 16. She got a camera. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Really, really talented. So, I mean, it's a lot of talent out there. So yeah. much. My daughter's the same. My daughter's doing A-level art. Um, and because she's worked with me, I suppose, quite a lot, she's assisted me and she's always had a, brilliant I mean, she's a fantastic artist fantastic but her art teacher said her photography is something I've not I've not seen so now it makes sense because she's Lily was working with me since she was like 13 loved coming on set I mean yeah. she came away 13 14 she did a fashion shoot with me she was up at four in the morning for four mornings and she was loving it but what she's got from that is is amazing experience because she has now got so much, be, you know, so much to take with her. As in, she's a brilliant artist, but she's got the added bonus of she's a brilliant photographer. Really, really amazing. Did you? So, what was your influences from your parents? Did you have any of that creative? No, 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 not really. Because I mean, my dad was away quite a lot. Um, my mum's not really. Uh, Mum was a mum, I suppose. His mum had three children, but no, I think my influence was my when I when I moved to London. Um, I moved in with my friend. I was quite young, and we lived together. And we we used to go out with a camera. And um, I had this little well, it was a Penf, not a Penf, but a pen. <laughs> I keep saying Penf, but it was a pen. Olympus film camera. I had two. I had the FM two Nikon, and I had the pen. Um, Olympus, the old one, and it was like both film cameras, and we picked them up from a shop in Camden. He's still there, actually. The old boy is still in that shop in Camden. Um, and I used to just go out shooting, and it was my friend Jules, and she said, "You're so good. You should really think about it." And I think that was my influence, you know, being out and about and just being free. <laughs> I was free. <laughs> <laughs> I think creative, like any creative. I mean, I just funny enough this morning. Um, I, I had a brilliant artist uh, from Ireland called uh, Dara Lynch, and his stuff is amazing. But it's that everyone speaks, anyone like in the hair industry, fashion industry, anything to do with creative uh, life, it is that sort of sense of freedom that everyone's got. It is. I think um, it's saying that when my, my dad was awake quite a lot, but then he started working on it was film in films um, and he did special effects. And he bought me my first car. It's a little beetle called Emily, green car. And 
I, w- I was at um, St. Martin's and I'd come back to see him and I said, I want to blow the car up and make it look like it's on fire. And he was brilliant. And he was so, I mean, he was creative, actually. He was brilliantly creative, but I know it wasn't like something I saw because he did it at work. But then it um, came out and he's sitting on this stove and like looked like the car and he did this explosion. It looked like the car was on fire. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. So that for me was one of the most fantastic times of my dad ever, you know, like him going to work with me and we were like working on my project. And when I saw it happen and, I was like, wow. And, and he was like, just take the picture. So I can get the <laughs> Close your mouth and press the button. That's <laughs> what he said. He said, just look at the car. It's going to go up in a minute. Like last time. <laughs> yeah, it didn't really go up, but it was amazing. It really looked like it blown up. It was fantastic. Yeah, yeah that was an amazing time my, spent creatively with my dad. and really loved it. Yeah. Have you, have you still got both your parents? No, you can tell I lost my dad, um, God, in 2012, March 2012. Right. I miss him, miss him. Yeah. Mm. You miss him every day, didn't you? I, I, I yeah. lost my dad um, 2006. And um, it, it's funny that he used to drive me mad. Like, <laughs> he used to drive me mad. He used to embarrass me. You know, all these things, you know, and then you, you just... How you turn into him? So like, I now embarrass my kids the way he embarrassed me. Uh, and B, you, you just you, you don't appreciate them until they're not there anymore. Do you? No, it's no, a shame, yeah. it, really. No, it is a shame. So you think? I mean, my dad. Although my dad was away a lot and came back, and um, you know, I was used to was used to that. But it was really when as, as I lost twenty twelve. It's like twenty eight years ago. It's weird. You do, as you say, you miss them so much. And you think, well, I didn't really see my dad that much. I mean, even when I left home quite young, and I, I didn't go home that much because I wasn't really that sort of a, a home bird, you know. <laughs> I was more like a wee flying around the world. <laughs> but I just really miss him. I think especially this time of year, Christmas, you know. Yeah. And um, I haven't seen my mum either. I haven't seen my mum since June because of COVID because I don't want to put her at risk. And obviously I've got kids at school and it's not they're not exceptionally careful in schools and nor are the children I mean let's face it you can't expect them to be you know yeah. so she's uh, I'm not going to see my mum probably this Christmas but I think my sister will see her but sort of sent her a great big camper and flowers yesterday and she's like oh I wish I could be with you but it's like, I just you know don't want to risk it really it's just too no. much risk for her not for a couple of days is it no, it's not worth it. We have a big party in January on my birthday. We have a huge party. What yeah. date in January? 28th. 28th. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll wait by the post box for my invite. <laughs> you do that. I'm going to have a big party, Stuart. Come along. <laughs> yeah, come on. It's going to be finished by then, please. It's got to be finished by then, hasn't it? Please, God. Yeah. Please. Yeah. You can have a nice virgin cocktail on your birthday. Yeah, I might let myself go, yeah. <laughs> no, I won't, no, I'll just have a... Do you know what? It's really weird. The only thing I miss is um, is red wine. Yeah, I really miss a glass of red wine when I have mm. dinner. And I'm never going to say never, but it is like something that... Um, I'm just so much clearer-headed and focused, and I'm so much... Um, I don't know, I just, I'm working so much better, like full potential now, and yeah. I just feel so... I feel so much better. It, it is weird. It is weird how much it, it can affect you. 
Well, yeah, I think it, it's varying degrees. Um, it's such an individual, personal thing. That's what I mean. It is individual. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah it, totally. It, you can't you can't sort of judge one person by another. No, no, yeah, no. It, it affects us all differently. Um, yeah. I, I I came to realise um, two thousand six. It was the year my dad died. That uh, it just I couldn't do anymore. You know, um, and I'm grateful every day that I I managed to stick with it. Yeah. Um, and I, I that that was a real testing time because I was only about nine months in by then. Wow, and you didn't uh, break when your no. dad passed. That's amazing. Uh, I, I, I had good people around me. I had a yeah. you know I had a program. I, I had people uh, yeah. to, to go to turn to. Um, and I, for me, I needed that structure. I needed something uh, to obsess on. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I had enough of it in me to stop me. You know, uh, but what I look back at is I think. I know what I would have been like. I know, I know what I would have been. Yeah. How yeah. I would have. Yeah. I would. How I would have probably manipulated that situation for everyone to feel sorry for me. You know, yeah. Oh, bless him. His dad's just died. You know. No wonder he's going a bit. You know. Okay. Uh, yeah, over the top. <laughs> you know. No wonder he's like, oh, bless him. Give him another drink and all that. Uh, whereas my mum, was very reserved with her compliments. Sort of said a few months after, you know, you was a real rock when your dad died. I really, you. you know, and that that, that then you realise that's who you can be as opposed to yeah. who yeah. you were, you know, and, and that clear-headed feeling that you've got, you know, like life's tough anyway. But um, if you get to the point where it's a, uh, having an effect on your life, it's hard to get all this stuff done. And as we get older. You, you get this sense of urgency, you know, as you sort of hinted at, that you, yeah. you've got stuff to do and you almost feel the clock going a bit, don't you? <laughs> exactly. I think, I think that's what it is. You've got stuff to do and you suddenly realise, like, oh, my... We have to think as well, you lose, you know, when you are um, not focused, drinking or you're partying, you lose so much time mm. Um and memories actually because you know this it just wipes them out but I guess I also think that I think when you're um clear-headed and family you just appreciate so much more and then you feel stronger and that's when you think oh god I want to do this I want to do that I want to do this so and I think that's what keeps you going and, uh, and it's so amazing it's an amazing feeling uh, and it, it's just like every day and every day you want to get up because you think I've got to do this I've got to do that and it's like yes you know and, uh, and nothing sometimes I get super tired but um I just go to sleep for the day have, I have one day off from just sleep you know if I'm really tired I'll just have a good day in bed and then I just revives me again. Whereas, you know, when you're partying, you have every day in bed and you don't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's mental, isn't it? But no, I'm, I, I, you know, I think life is just amazing at the moment. I'm even that it's really weird lockdown as well, because I, I created this project in lockdown with my kids at Sir Hubert von Hartman Arts Foundation, which is now called HVH Arts for shortness. Oh, wow. So we rebranded because the name was so long. So it's, it's called HVH Arts. And I, created this program and sent the cameras out to the, all the kids and they did this amazing um i'll send it to you actually it's just being published because they did their their life in lockdown wow. um because you know and it was absolutely one of the kids lewis lived his life through a lego game and he made all these little lego men and they were all going to places and they were getting on the airplane and it was everything that you want to do but you can't yeah. you know and another one was living his life through 
buildings so he'd just take like structures of buildings and then make them into like places he wanted to be yeah. and then they fit but the photography was so I did that for 12 weeks and I taught it on zoom it was really hard but they loved it they absolutely loved it so I mean that was one of the you know, to me lockdown was quite creative still and it didn't go away and I just kept really creative and the kids produced this incredible let's call it incredible that living in a pandemic and we're going to make it into a hardback book yeah. and there's about 30 30 children and families all through it another little one was living her life with a rabbit so she was living like Jamila she was talking to a rabbit and she'd get in the cage and then her mum she'd be directing her mum as to what she wanted to talk about and she'd be having tea with him and yeah the pictures and the content it's just fantastic yeah. so that to me was again it was like well Lockdown kind of went, and then I think the lot worst lockdown was the previous one. What, this one just gone because it was like, what's happening? Well, what we're we doing? Nobody really knew what was going on, but oh. we're all coming out, and there's a light. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. So yeah. I'll see my mummy soon. <laughs> I can. I mean, I see you. I see you. You light up when you talk about the foundation and talk about. Yeah. The, but it, it's a bit like my work, and I realised that. It, you know that 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 thing of doing that throughout that lockdown, it takes even though you're helping all those kids, mm. but it's helping you so much, isn't it? Yeah, it's getting your head out of the bucket, isn't it? As it's well, crazy. yeah, it was. it was. I mean, we used to like everyone used to be. It's what's really amazing is like every Saturday we'd have the Zoom every Saturday. Uh, with, a, uh, with a friend of mine, Paul Romans, who's a documentary photographer as well. It was really cool. And we'd all be looking forward to this Saturday. You know, the kids will be logging on. It would be really, really fun. And just to see their little faces, you know, just doing something different and how proud they were of their work. And they all had their cameras. Olympus had sent them their cameras. And they were. And I thought, oh, my God, I bet I'm not going to get 14 cameras back in mint condition. But they really did look after them. They were so respectful. They treated them, like, with love. And, you know, they'd be on the Zoom going, oh, like, and they'd be taking pictures. So it was quite fun. It was, it was a great project. Um, now we're making a film called Isolation Stories, so that's about um, filming, and Sadie's helping me with that, actually. Sadie's been amazing. Sadie's been coming on set and helping with the um, kids directing, and we've had some Zooms with Sadie, and they're loving it. And she came to my studios at Kentish Town, um, and she did a whole set with them, and it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. So we're going to edit on that. Edit. Oh, the edit's going to be, like, uh, scrambled eggs all over the place. We've got to make it into one. <laughs> <laughs> something amazing <laughs> that'd be great <laughs> good luck with that I know I, I am thinking oh my god let's get started yeah it's um, what we'll do and we'll make sure that we put all the links at the bottom of the podcast when I put it out thank you for the foundation and stuff like that thank you um, so but what was the catalyst what What? Where did? how did it begin what, what, what put it in your mind well, I think the catalyst was, it was, I was shooting a lot, that that was 12, so when did we set up? 2013. Where are we now? It's a long time ago, wasn't it? 2013, I can't count, see my maths is gone. Seven, Seven. years ago? Seven. No, we set up, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> we set the foundation up because I was shooting quite a lot of big celebrities and big actors and big artists. Hmm. And my husband's um, unknown great-great-grandfather yet with the DNA because he was adopted, 
not my, my husband's father was adopted and we found out that was a, a very renowned portrait artist, Victorian artist called Sir Hubert von Herkimer. Oh. And he was, he was the most amazing, prolific artist. He's in the Tate, he's in the National Portrait. And we didn't even know um, that he was connected to Mark, my husband. And then what happened then was we went to Bushy. He had a museum in Bushy where they collected, they've got all his works. And he grew up in Bushy. He's a German artist, but he moved to Bushy when he was about 10 or 12. And basically he set up a foundation for people that had gift in the arts, but yeah, obviously back in Victorian times, couldn't afford to paint. Um, he got a scholarship to Kensington Arts College and he wasn't from a rich family, but he used to paint these, you know, rich, amazing, beautiful people, lords and ladies. And then he'd give back to the poor. So he wanted to teach them. He had a school of the arts. And then the Tottenham riots occurred. And then that was when I said, something's got to be done because these kids, like, they've got nothing to do. No one's really, really thinking about what's going on. How are we going to do it? So I, had, I set up the foundation, Sir Hubert von Herkimer Arts Foundation, at that time because I wanted to replicate that sort of work and that ethos and also you know he's kind of part of my family because of my son's from you know that that DNA and then we I had my first exhibition at the Strand Gallery and every photo or every picture so like Helen McCrory, Damian Lewis, Paul Weller, um, James Purefoy, Kate Moore, Sadie Frost, Francis Raffel, every image I sell 100% goes to the foundation because they're already taken and then the most of them have become very good friends of mine and they've actually signed off that I can sell the images as long as that money goes straight to the foundation. Yeah. Uh, every time it's sold, it does. If there's an image sold, it goes from the exhibition, so it's all catalogued. So every year I have an exhibition um, to show the work. So my next exhibition is called Do Not Disturb and that will be of lots of people in the bath in different shapes and forms. And um, all those images will be sold to uh, promote the charity and go to the foundation. So, yeah, so, so far I've got a nice little collection coming. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to assist you on that one. <laughs> You'll have to assist me on the next one, Stuart, yeah. You'll definitely get your VIP invite on that one. <laughs> um, that image you had of, um, oh, my brain don't work sometimes. Is it Helen McCrory? Helen McCrory, yeah. McCrory, McCrory. Um, that image, beautiful, of, of it, that silhouette. The That's the, yeah, Peaky Blinders. Yeah. Just, and it's just, she's looking, yeah. but I, I think, yeah. and then this is a, a victim of that type of work. Um, our patron is Lena Healy, and it's a massive bank of work, but it's once they could do something iconic, like Game of Thrones or with yeah. the, the yeah. Blinders, it's almost like people's whole, they forget of all the other stuff that they do. But I know, I know. Oh, Helen is Helen is is an amazing, uh, the most amazing woman. I think she she's she just evolved light just around her. Whenever you talk to her, she's just this light, and she's just the most down to earth. She's just yeah. she comes to the gallery. She talks to the kids. I remember when I first got my little gallery. It's in Queen's Crescent, and you feel like you know 
God, it's like nobody really, I, I didn't even know it existed. And I used to live the other side of it for 10 years. It was really bizarre. And I had this little gallery and it was in, it's in the middle of the estates in Queen's Crescent. And when I first moved in, she said, I'm going to come, I'm going to come. I'm going to bring Gully and Mal on. And she came along and they were lying on the floor sketching. And it was such an amazing, she's so cool. She's yeah. so real. And she's just so super, super beautiful. Like she is amazing. I just adore her actually. Love her. <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? I think what it is is um, a certain a certain thing with celebrity that you know they're just. Um, what did someone say to me the other day? Oh, good friend of mine, still. He said they're just bones and skin. We're all just bones and skin, you know. And I like I that. No, yeah. I know that's that's true. I mean, everyone is bone. It's, it's very true. And I mean, some. And it's really weird. I think the most iconic actors and the most people that, that are really up there are the most natural and the most down to earth. And yeah. they're the ones that just don't have a stick up their bottom, so to speak. They are yeah. so, so cool. And then it's some other people that kind of really are not, I'm not even going to go there. But anyway, you know, yeah. um, uh-huh. other people sometimes that you think, why are you like that? You know, why, are you yeah. so, why are you such a dude? What's going on with you? Yeah. You know, and it, I just don't understand it because we are all, we're all people, you yeah. know, you know, whether you're an icon, whether you're not an icon. And I think yeah. you shouldn't be thinking, it, obviously, do you know what the most, it's like Kate Moss, the most, she's amazingly down to earth, so real. And she's just a beautiful person. Sadie's a beautiful person. Mm-hmm. There's a Meg and Francis and they've all done so many amazing things. Yeah. And like Damien Lewis, it's like, you would, you'd think you'd known him for years. He's just the most, cool down-to-earth guy ever yeah and it's weird and but yeah they are skin and bones aren't they but they're so talented yes. <laughs> so talented I, you I know. with young megan here <laughs> i love meg she I'm, I, I know everything about menopause now i know so much now i'm having a menopause i have hot She's yeah. she's great, but the, it's Meg's a force of nature, isn't she? Meg is a force of nature. She's doing That's so it. Well. Yeah, and, 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 but they're actually doing some good with everyday stuff that might be overlooked. But it's a real big thing in some part, someone's life. Yeah, no, it is. I just the idea yeah, the lovely Lena Headey, who's we say about action. You know, like uh, a few we- uh, only a few weeks ago, she was moving to America the following day and she came to us on the Wednesday to the Whitechapel mission uh, uh, and when she got there early in the morning I knew she was moving country the next day and I said look yeah. if you've got to shoot off let me know she stayed there the whole time she's got clippers she's clippering guys hair wow oh, I can cut great, hair we've got some great pictures I can cut hair I can huh? cut some hair I went to hairdressing college once well for two months <laughs> you you, you've got to come down. You've got to come to the mission. <laughs> yeah, you've got to come. You closet hairdresser. You can. You, you can all come. I love it's it. brilliant. Um, and you know, like there again. So Lena was. Lena was cutting. Lena was cutting with the. She was razoring the hair. Yeah. Oh yeah. She wow. does some cuts. Wow. And she, you know, like she just had so much time for people. She wasn't in a rush. And then she finally, you know, she left. And then, the, you know, the next day she was moving, not just moving house, she was moving country. So how generous to give that time. Amazing, you know? amazing, amazing, um, Patron, amazing. 
but you, you you would love it. You'd have to come. You'd have to come at some point because I'd love um, it. you you know like if photographers are people, you know, imagery people, and there's nothing more um, all encompassing than, than the people we meet, the homeless people. You know, they've got such stories on their face and yeah. such stories in their eyes and. You know, um, I know a couple we've got, funny enough, I'm at the mission in the morning and I've got a great photographer, Jack Eames, who's come in. And um, there's a there's been a, three or four really, really good photographers and they're thinking of doing like a table book. Um, I was going to say, I'd like to do that. I'd be trying yeah. to, I'll come down one day and do some shots. Yeah, that, yeah, I think the idea is, yeah, more than one photographer. So it's a collective yeah, work by yeah. people because they're all, they all sit slightly different and work yeah. slightly different. yeah. Um, so we're, we're looking forward to that. But um, so where 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 is the future for your photography and your um, your journey? Where do you see it going next? I mean, I, I'm really at the moment. I'm really happy with my photography where I am yeah. because it doesn't take me out of the country, and I don't want to go out of the country until my kids are at uni. Um, I mean, Luke's 14, and I think it's really important. I mean, people think, oh, when your kids are teenagers, you know, they're all grown up. They're not. It's the most important time you need to be with them. And they need so much, you know, nurturing still and advice. So I think once Luke's kind of grown up, about another four or five years when he may be at uni, I think I might probably go, I'm going to go over to L.A. because I've got some friends over there. And there were some studios that were interested in um, using me and an agency two years ago. But I don't want to make that journey yet and I don't you know and I not that because I'm oh, what was it I don't want to be away from my kids or my family and I know once you start doing that journey and you sign up with LA or New York I mean it was a bit like I shot Ed O'Neill at Fox Studios and Sophia Vargara and um they were like well you when you stay get you an agency and then Fox can use you blah 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 I said, I can't, I, you know, I was only there two weeks and I got like some really cool work and met some really cool people. Um, and I would have loved to have done because I was behind my camera and I was like, oh, I didn't have anything going on. But as soon as I put my camera down, I realised, no, you're a mum, you've got two children, you've got a husband, you've got to go home. Um, and I know that would do that to me because once I'm in my moment, it, it's, it's, it's addictive. It's like, oh my God, I'm there. So I will do that in five years time I probably yep. will go and stay in LA for a while and like you know get an agency out there again um but for now I want to stay here I've got an agent here I've, I'm really happy with what I'm doing I'm doing loads of portraits and I'm also CEO as you know of the HVH Arts Foundation which takes up most of my time as well so really I'm using my job to feed my foundation if that makes sense because yeah. yeah. I want to really I can see so much help needed still where I'm working over at Queen's Crescent and Camden Mansford Road and Islington all around London there's, there's a big need um, to support kids and I do see the light at the end of the tunnel because I'm already helping this teenage music mentoring project I'm helping about 12 kids at the moment and I've been doing it for a year now we're at, res at risk of gangs and um, I've already seen a positive step in a year. Yeah. And I know if I continue that journey with them, they're now 14, I can continue that for two years. I know they won't end up being street dealers. I know they're going to do something really cool with their lives. Yeah. So that's really where I'm going at the moment. That's, that, that, that's like a miracle, isn't it? That yeah. is just... Yeah. You, 
you know, you, you can't go for the numbers, but then to get yeah. a few little diamonds. I got 12. I got 12. It was, it, it's yeah. hard enough to get, I mean, that's, a, that's after a year, and that's all positive, positive work that's been doing. But people go, oh, that's not many, 12. But it's a lot when you know oh. how hard it is, right? Yeah, you know, and when kids at 12, 13, 14 are going on their bikes and they've got four and quick cash in their pocket, it's very hard to not make them do that, yeah. you know? It's tough. This, this is the realities. This is what people um, don't, you know, they, they don't really understand sometimes. No. That the draw of, of like going to college, slogging it out, not having much money, to the draw of like, you know, yeah. 10 minutes, you know, 200 quid, 10 minutes. And that's that's really attractive to young people at this age. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's quite attractive to a lot, a lot of people anyway, isn't it? When you think oh. about it. But, you yeah. know, it's a bit like, but they don't get, you know, they, they, they kind of don't get, they get not sort of, they have to work for their money, uh, but they kind of, when they've got their week's money and they're showing it off and, you know, I said, you won't be showing that off when you get caught, you, but they don't see it like that. So it's no. quite hard. But they're really lovely kids. They're really lovely kids. They're deep. They've they got a lot yeah. of depth to them. And, you know, they just need people to believe in them um, because they're not as lucky as, well, that's suppose my kids. They don't have a mum and dad that go, yeah, that's great. Um, you're going to do this and you're going to academy and you're going to go to art college and da 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 da. They probably look after their parents sometimes, you know most of the time actually so they're the breadwinners and that's hard and that's reality over there so it's tough it's um there's a there's a, a guy on my podcast early quite a few episodes back called paul hannaford mm-hmm. uh, I'd, I'd urge you to 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 what to listen oh it wasn't watching then you could to listen to that one he's, okay. he's an amazing guy uh, and it's paul hannaford yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a guy I've known in recovery for, for many, many years. Okay. He goes out to school. He was a real class one naughty boy. Yeah. Um, he looks the part. He used to be the part. But he's changed his life. And what he does, he goes into schools and he talks about um, knife crime, gun crime, gangs. Really? And all yeah. of that. Maybe I could get his details off you, actually, anyway, yeah. because it might be nice that I could talk to him because it yeah. kind of connects with quite a lot of work we're doing. He's just written a book. This week, I think, it came out really? on Amazon, his book, yeah. But he, but the interesting thing I find is it, it's relevant to yours is that when he first started going, headmaster would uh, approach him and say, we've got a problem with our 16-year-olds can you come and talk to our 16-year-olds? And he'd say, look, no, I need to talk to your 11-year-olds. Exactly. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Because yeah. that's what I am trying to say to yeah. this youth force, youth task safety force top trust anyway, in Camden. And I said, you're going from the wrong age. They said, no, we, we, it's got to be 16 to 24. I said, no. No. It's got to be 11 to 16 because by the time they're 16, they're used to earning a lot of money and you can't yeah. stop that. And you can try, but it's not until they've been away and but caught, then they think yeah. about it. But what we don't want them is going away. So prevention is better than cure. It's the same old adage, isn't yes. it? It's like, you know, prevent, prevent. But no, it seems like everyone wants to get it and then try and stop it. But no, we've got to try and help them from the very beginning. And it is, that's 11 years old is the key, the key age for when it yeah. all starts, year seven. 
Exactly. Yeah, you'll love him. Like, I, I'll have to I, look I, him up. I love him already. I love yeah, him already. Yeah. And it's, it's, it was funny because I've spent, I, I said this to him, he went on my podcast, I spent many, many years uh, doing, because I've done the last six years homeless, but the, uh, the, probably the last 12 years I've been doing with um, alcohol addiction and drugs and things like that. Um, and my kids, he went, to, he went to their school and he done wow. his talk at their school and they come on and went, Dad, this guy can't go to school today. It's Paul Hannaford. I goes, I know Paul. It's mate of mine. But you know him. But you know him. And I goes, and he, oh, he said this, and he said this, and he said this. And I was getting a bit, I've been saying that for years. What you <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the thing, isn't it? Don't listen to your dad. No, my mind don't. They don't, that's like, you know, it's weird, but that's the same thing, isn't it? The same, like, I now realise when I think about, well, my mum said that, and I used to think, you don't know what you're talking about, but it all comes back around when you're much older, you think, yeah. oh, now I understand what she meant, I know. So you've, so you're, your sort of forward plan is that maybe when the kids are older, and I do understand that, I, I do think it's a very, because I think, actually, it's, it makes me think that it's relevant to when you were very, very young and went and lived with someone, and I've said this recently, that our children are going to be younger and dependent for longer. Because well, at are. that time, I moved, in with my, I moved in with a girl at 19. We set up home together at 19. We ended up getting married and having a baby. That oh. didn't work. But we were so young, 19. And my I left, mate all I left home together at 18. No. You know, kids uh, can't even think of doing that now. There's no way they can no. do that. No, they're, they're just too um, snowflake, aren't they? We'd like, oh, I think that's probably why they're there. Because, yeah, that we actually, we just went out and did it. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel financially we could as well, because now... You know what I'm saying? They can't afford to now. Come oh. on, let's put house prices or rent even. I don't think, I don't think, you know, if I had to get back on that train now, I mean, I bought my, I'm buying still, but I mean, I bought my house Years and years and years ago, when you didn't have to prove you earned so much money, yeah, I <laughs> and you just got it like, oh, I know, man, you can. Yeah. And basically, <laughs> if I had to get a mortgage now for my house, I couldn't afford it. Yeah, me because too. Because it's gone up so much. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and me because I, I just don't earn that money. You know what I mean? I don't earn the amount of money that my house would be worth to get a mortgage on now. So it's it's yeah. weird. It's it's hard. But yeah. we have to. We'll help them. We'll get there. We'll get yes. there. Yeah, so that 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 being the thing of I understand why you've got to like just put on hold your yeah. other plans because they're going to need you for yeah. that bit longer. So yeah. uh, that's your future plans for your for, for your career. Um, you've got you want to grow the foundation. Yeah. And what else do you want for you? Oh, I just want to be healthy, happy. Um, I think. What else do I want? Yeah, I, I mean, the thing is, I work really hard at the moment. I think it's it's quite, you know, just go, 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 go. And I think moving, I think when it's the same old thing, it's like you think, oh, yeah, I want to go to L.A. Because, you know, when I go there, I'm like, oh, it's like a different world and I love it. But I don't know. I get, like, I really love my life at the moment. I love my family. I love where I am. I love my foundation. I'm at a really good place with my photography I suppose I'd like to, I might try and push it to get more commercial work. Um, but it's, it's the time because I'm splitting my time between being a photographer and being a CEO on a charity, which I love. 
and I've got so close and uh, involved with the work that I'm doing with the charity and I've seen how important it is and I mean it's super important I go in on the ground and it wasn't until I did that over the last four years that I've let the photography go a little bit because I'm getting something from my work at the foundation something that makes me feel I suppose I come home and I think God, it isn't all about money all the time. You know, I used to think, I want that campaign. I want to earn this money. I want to go there. I want this campaign. Oh, my God, I know I want to be that. I don't want that anymore. I kind of lost my ego, like, which is, you know, I'm trying to day by day. I mean, I have got an ego. Everyone has. I mean, you must have as a photographer. But it's not half as bad as it was 10 years ago. <laughs> you know, and I, I don't really care. And I honestly don't care about making loads of money. I just care about being happy. I care about feeling good about myself that, you know, that my kids are happy and I'm giving them what, you know, they deserve. And then my kids at the foundation, when I see them, I see their little faces light up and then I can do something for them. Do you know what I mean? That That's really what, what makes me tick at the moment. That's where I am. And I'm in a really good place at the moment. I'm yeah. I think now I'm focused now it's all like like the drinking stopped and I stopped partying and going out so much I'm a different person and I think I'm a happier person for it might be getting a bit boring though and worried but I don't know <laughs> I'm worried about that no I'm not worried I think, about that I think life is about balance balance and it, yeah and it seems to be that you've got a, a good balance and that's probably why you're so content yeah yeah. I have. And you sound like you're very happy too, Stuart, now. I am. I am. You are. Brilliant. I am. I, uh, yeah. More, more than I can say. That's good. Well, I can't think of a better way to finish it. Um, thank you. Thank you so much for giving me your thank time you. this afternoon. You're very welcome. And uh, please keep in touch. Let me know if I can do any help with this foundation. You come along to see us at some point as well. Um, uh, yeah, definitely yeah. keep in touch. Be lovely. Uh, Let me know. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Bye, Debbie. Just over five years ago, I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people, some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. This is more than a job, this is a calling.